0: Some breaking news out of Sandusky County tonight. Sheriff Kyle Overmeyer has been indicted on close to four dozen criminal charges, including theft and tampering with records. The attorney general says Overmeyer deceived doctors and pharmacists in order to obtain prescription pain medication. He is also accused of taking
1: medications from area prescription drug disposal drop boxes. Overmeyer will be
0: in court tomorrow.
1: The following podcast is a Carolina boys production. welcome back everybody to crime and entertainment i am your host hollywood wade now boy have we got a story for you the little clip you heard there in the opener was a former sheriff in ohio named kyle overmeyer kyle was actually one of the youngest sheriffs ever at 34 years old and he was on top of his game he was just killing it left and right getting bust doing good for the community and ultimately wound up getting addicted to some pain pills, which led him down a dark path, ultimately led him to prison. And he done a fairly lengthy sentence in prison, uh, then got out. Everything is now the exact opposite. He's turned his life around very much a success story, motivational speaker, politician. Uh, he runs KO addiction now to help people with addiction. It's just really a great story that I think you guys will love because, I mean, it shows, you know, the rise, the fall to the complete bottom. He gets out. He has nothing to his name. He has to work for peanuts, basically, and he's built himself back up. Hell of a guy. I hope to meet him in person soon. I think he's coming down to Myrtle Beach Here soon, which is right near where I'm at. So hopefully I'll get to meet him in person. Really inspirational story. Funny as hell. Great speaker. I can't wait for you guys to check this out. So let's get right in to Kyle Overmeyer's story here on Crime and Entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Crime and Entertainment. I have here today. It's gonna be, I'm sure this is gonna be one of the most interesting guests we've ever had. He's had quite a story. Uh, I talked with him on the phone a couple months ago. We finally were at able to facilitate this interview. Please welcome to the show, Kyle Overmeyer. Kyle, how you doing, my friend?
0: Thank you, Wade, or should I refer to you as Hollywood Wade?
1: Ah, Hollywood Wade, Wade all the same, man. All the same. I
0: wanna be respectful on your show. This is uh <laughs> this is your turf, your territory, so uh, I got to be respectful. I'll call you Hollywood way Then I like it.
1: There you go. There you go. That works for me. Um, real quick, kind of give our listeners a little overview, a little primer of, of your story, and then we'll get into it from uh, start to finish. Cause you've got a lot to unpack here.
0: Yeah. So in my two minute, two second, uh, elevator pitch, I would have to say, uh, I was a hometown boy, grew up in a great family. um, never had any uh really any legal issues, drug problems, ended up uh getting into law enforcement after figuring out what the hell I wanted to do in life and uh was elected the youngest sheriff in Ohio at the time at 34 years old. Um found myself then uh getting diagnosed with arthritis. From there, got addicted to opiates and had to find a way to feed my addiction and the rest of the story is uh prison time. Wow.
1: That's, that's quite a journey, man. And I've listened to your show on uh, you know, you went on Matt Cox, So shout out to Matt Cox inside true crime. That was an excellent episode. And I couldn't wait to get you on because you don't travel, you know, a path of someone that you would think would go down this road. It started, like you said, getting arthritis. I think it really started by genuinely getting these things prescribed to you by a doctor and then how it happens with so many people, you just become addicted to them without even realizing it until it's too late at that point.
0: No, I agree with you too, Wade. You know, I, that on top of some of the things that I endured throughout my career and the job, mm-hmm. it was, uh, I neglected basically to take care of Kyle. So I chose the other way of, uh, addiction, to deal with the you know the mental pain instead of the physical pain and that's what ended up in me getting me in a lot of trouble Right. so let's start out from the beginning man where'd you grow up i grew up in fremont ohio which is uh, northwest ohio uh it's called sandusky county up by lake erie uh, a lot of people are known as one of the great lakes um my parents have been married over 50 years they're still married today my, my father had 38 years in law enforcement, retired as a captain from the same sheriff's office I was the elected sheriff of. My mother had a good job in the office of a construction company. And my dad and mom uh, always put a roof over our head and uh, meals, gave us the best we could with, uh, you know, the the jobs that they had. And I was even sent through a private Catholic school for from third grade on. So I had a great education too, as well.
1: Wow. Um, I always remember Sandusky, Ohio. That was like the, I don't know if they actually shot it there, but that's what they talked about in that movie,
0: Tommy boy. That was the, you're right. Right. Exactly. And it's also known for Cedar point, uh, the amazement park with all the, you know, the big roller coasters. Yeah,
1: that's cool. Um, so did you have any aspirations? Like with your father being in law enforcement, did you have aspirations early on to be in law enforcement? I know sometimes that can be a family tradition. Sometimes people can want to break that and they don't want to have anything to do with it. But what was that? What was it in your case?
0: You know, um, actually I, you know, I, I grew up, you know, I played football, I boxed, uh, um, I was a wrestler, you know, I found myself in childhood sports, but I was always drawn to, um, actually being in art. So I actually originally went to school to, um, focusing on art for two years, University of Toledo. And then I i was actually a college dropout for for a, a short time. And I come back, um, moved back in my parent, with my parents, you know, didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up, basically, and worked a couple factory jobs. And I finally, I said to my dad, I said, you know what? You know, you've done pretty well. You're very respected in the community. You know what? I had to get in the law enforcement. He said, forget about it. Don't get into it. And so I didn't listen to him. I put some money together and I went through the police academy and I, and I, I moved on and said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And uh, I'm going to give, give my best shot. of
1: it. Okay. What year is this we're talking?
0: Um, I went to the academy in 95 cause I graduated high school in 92. So I spent two years at college dropped out and then 95. And then after a couple rounds of, uh, interviews, you know, with the sheriff's office, they ended up, uh, Actually, hired me in um, actually May um, May fifth of uh, nineteen ninety six. I, I started full time in the corrections division. They start you in corrections, and then eventually uh, uh, you uh, move your way up. And uh, I did, and I did quickly. Actually,
1: now when you say corrections, that like you know in the prisons, or what do you mean by that?
0: Um, one of the duties of the uh, sheriff in Ohio, most of them. There's eighty eight counties, so there's eighty eight sheriffs in the state of Ohio. One of the duties is to oversee a correctional facility, a jail. And so I was one of the corrections officers, or what they call jailers, and I would tend to the inmates, you know, at, at the um, Sadusky County Sheriff's Office, at the jail, the facility there, where everybody was incarcerated. So that's where I, I began my my career in law enforcement. Okay. Now,
1: how long were you in that role? Because you said you started escalating pretty quickly. What was kind of your progression in the
0: in the different roles that you had? Didn't spend much time there, three and a half, four years. Then I was promoted to road patrol, and that was actually short-lived, too. And then at that time, then, in 99, I met my first wife, and I actually, at that time, I decided to go back to college. I got a two-year degree in criminal justice, and um, then I took off uh, pretty fast on the road patrol, doing a lot of drug interdiction, and took a lot of drugs off the streets, guns, large amounts of money. And started to be getting pretty recognized by the sheriff, uh, prior to me. And even, uh, I even got so into it. I went back and I ended up, uh, obtaining a bachelor's degree in business administration too. I'm like, you know what, maybe I'm not going to stay here. Maybe I'm going to pursue, um, a federal career. And I had other aspirations for a short time.
1: Mm -hmm. And you even done some undercover work too, right?
0: I did. I did. And what happened was, I had had a few rounds of interviews to go on to the federal system and some other jobs. And the sheriff then uh, gave me a call on the phone one day and said, hey, I want to meet with you. And you don't usually hear much from the sheriff because it's a large agency. He's the boss. He's got other things to do. Took me out to lunch. And he says, hey, I heard you might leave. And I said, I'm talking about do I want to do the best for my family. I had my first child. And then I actually I had another one on the way. I had my daughter, Michaela. Then uh, my son, Dylan, was born in November of 2003. And he says, I want to give you an opportunity to be a detective. I know you're you know, you're know, good at what you do when it comes to narcotics investigations. You've t- done a lot on road patrol. So he says, I want to offer you that position. I said, well, I don't know if I'm interested. He says, I'll make you a detective sergeant. Well, then, that was music to my ears. I was, you know, 27 years old. I was going to be ranked in the detective bureau. So um, I took it, and I stayed. I you know, over. Uh, I basically passed over going to the federal system and uh, stayed in my own community then. And uh, believe it or not, within a year, I was then promoted to captain, top of the food chain, uh, after working with a lot of agencies, taking a lot of drugs off the streets, boarding up um, businesses that were involved with illegal activity, houses. And I made a huge impact in the community. And the sheriff saw that, so he wanted to reward me by making me a captain within a year. Wow.
1: Now, when you're doing these undercovers, like because you're saying in the community, I always find it like, and I don't know how big the city is we're talking, but like, how difficult is it to do undercover, but then not be recognized as you know a member of law enforcement?
0: Well, what what happened was one of the thir- first things that I ever did in undercover. There was a theft ring. There was a large scale of Kubotas tractors, um, lawnmowers. Some of large scale, high end items were being stolen, and it just so happened I ended up bumping into one of the individuals involved and i flipped him as they call in the street you flipped right. him and he turned informant so also the people that were running this organization were actually wealthier people that actually had it as a side gig and the guys that were hooked on drugs and stuff they recruited them to basically pay them peanuts to go out and uh steal for them and bring it back so that informant then in turn took me which was outside of the county that actually um I resided in and they introduced me to the ringleader. And then I started stealing stuff with them too.
1: So you would actually go out and steal stuff with them.
0: I did. I did, you know, Kubota's, if it was a, you know, log splitters, high-end things. And then eventually they wrapped it up and I was arrested and uh, actually taken to the jail and uh, you know, it, it made it all good and booked and everything.
1: Now, let me ask you this. When y'all are doing this, like, or is anybody getting a heads up? Like, cause you know, if you go into the wrong place, they, somebody stayed overnight or something to worry about the stuff. They come out blasting, you know, does anybody
0: have a heads up that you're going to be hit? Well, no. And what happened was after it was kind of getting close to being over, we would go, they go and notify the people and kind of let them know what was going on. They were happy and they didn't want to say anything because They wanted to see these guys off the streets, Mm -hmm. so no, I go out, do it with them at night. I I fit the role, and uh, at that time, actually, my name was Bert. That's what I went by. The name Bert was my uh, my name to go out and uh, steal. So, (laughs) Bert was my name.
1: We've had a few undercover cops on the show before, and they all tell the same story. Like those that were, you know, very good at what they did. They had people believing, you know, that they were in that life, committed hundred percent, even so much as the fact when they were. Identifying themselves as a, as a police officer, be it in court or wherever, the guys just didn't believe it. Like they was like, "You're not a cop." There's no way. Was that how was his uh, reaction when he found out that you were an actual
0: cop? Yeah, when I went, I can remember when I went the day that everything was coming to a head at court. I walked in. The ringleader was sitting there, and he kind of looked very surprising. And he's like, "Uh-oh," and I'm like, "Bert," I said, "Nope, Detective Kyle Over, Captain Kyle Overmeyer at the time." And uh, of course, then they want to fold. And they want to plead and, and uh, get it over with because they know you—you know—you got a cop in, in the mix of it all. The, you got them dead to right, and it's over with. It's—it's it's a done deal. The final nail in the coffin. So that was my first uh, undercover, um, you know, spree. Which was really fun. And then from there, I continued to start uh, the whole, the, the narcotics thing was always my, my love and, and, and my gift of, for some re- way, really infiltrating everybody. And again, I ended up getting involved with somebody that actually, um, we flipped and actually he chose me, he thought I would fit the role the best. And I went out and um, purchased up to 17 kilos of cocaine at a time from a large scale uh, operation, which then ended up uh, not only seizing, you know, millions of dollars, but taking millions of dollars of drugs off the streets. Um, ended up, uh, you know, from state to state, um, we uh, indicted and, and, you know, ended up uh, finding people guilty and sending them away for a long time. And that was uh, my next big uh big undercover but other than that in between you know i was out there making you know you know two three ounce uh cocaine crack buys you know meth buys ecstasy but uh i did some large scale things
1: Okay. any any like close calls in any of that almost get found out almost get made or fingered as a
0: cop or uh no you know it was interesting because well i had the gift of gab Wade, and you know the gift of gab i you know uh, I, I can sell the program, you know, of course I can remember getting padded down. I can remember, you know, being in houses where there was kids that would, would bother me and they're weighing dope out in front of the kids. And, you know, you bite your tongue cause you don't want to, you know, you know, that's wrong, but you also got to roll with everything and go. Yeah. So, um, no, I never really did. There was one time, uh, they wanted me to, you know, use and, uh, the, the, the guy that was working with us who was an informant, said, no, no, no. He's like, hey, remember, you, you're going to have to. They thought I had another job, too, you know, working somewhere. They're like, he's like, hey, you don't want to get that drug test or, because you're not going to be out here hustling for these guys. So they backed off. It was, you know, and fast thinking by some of those guys, you yeah. know, but that's what they do for a living. They're hustlers.
1: Right yeah that's that seems to be the consensus with people that's you know we've talked with guys that's infiltrated motorcycle gangs and and everything yeah. else and that seems to be the consensus of they have to have a way to not only talk themselves out of situations but make it believable I mean you can't just say no man I don't do drugs it's not that simple You got to come up with a better story and a believable story for them to do right
0: that. yeah right you got to beat them at their own game exactly 100 percent
1: um, so, I mean, things are rolling good. Everything's falling in line for you. You seem to be riding high cloud nine, man. Can't tell you shit at this point, huh?
0: No, no, everything is good to go. Uh, the sheriff's loving what I'm doing at that time. And, you know, he comes to me at a certain time and he says, uh, you know, someday you ought to look at, uh, becoming the sheriff and taking over for me someday, but I got a long time, you know, you know, he was only a little over 60 years old and uh, so he starts to get me involved with the political world and groom me and uh, introduce me to the right people and all of a sudden um in 2008 I'm 34 years old uh he dies he he, he dies and I'm 34 years old so the republican central committee came to me at that time There's republican democrats I was a republican in that county and uh they had known that his wishes were for me to become uh the sheriff when he left, but 34 is very young. It's a very young age to, you know, run a whole county, you know, and be the sheriff of a county an elected position. Cause I, you have to run for reelection every four years. Right. You're a politician, right? A politician. And, um, so they came to me. I spoke with my wife at that time, who was my wife at that time, my first wife. And, uh, I went for it, but I had competition, which was a 30 year veteran that had been there and was actually second in charge. Ultimately, I beat him in the special appointment and, uh, I took over in 2008 as the sheriff of Sandusky County. And that's,
1: was that a record youngest sheriff in that area? That's
0: the youngest sheriff in Ohio. And I'm still the youngest sheriff in county history.
1: Wow. So man, you're, I mean, you know, I don't know what, what your mindset was like, but I mean, it's hard not to really be feeling yourself at this point in time of, of all this stuff kind of falling in your favor.
0: It was. It was. You know, you didn't want to see somebody pass away to become the sheriff. Right, yeah. But but you embrace what is given to you in life. You know that, Wade. Oh, yeah. And so I took the ball like a football, and I was running to the end zone, you know? Well, and it's too, you've been
1: putting in the work. So it's not like this opportunity just fell in your lap and you wasn't out here putting in the legwork. I mean, you were in the streets, you were doing buys, you were making bust. I mean, you done everything the right way. It just happened to come at a time when, you know, you were just the, the prime candidate to go in there. And especially Good if part. you beat that other guy and if he's second in command, then you would think the logical, you know, process would be for him to just bump up just like they do in. You know the mob the mob and the mafia yeah, family right. with the boss goes down the underboss steps up everybody bumps up a notch but you have right. those young hungry guys that come up and sometimes they just take the reins themselves.
0: Yeah and that's what happened with me and, and as you'll find out today I'm still hungry but I'm not only hungry but I'm thirsty now yeah. so
1: <laughs> So you get sheriff I mean what's what's next on your plate after that you know I know you got you had some more I want to say I'd say tragedies happen Uh, different things kind of walk Um, us through after you get sheriff
0: things are things are going good though i mean i'm i'm recognized for a lot of things i started my own jail garden that the inmates actually took care of so it was not only rehabilitation i was uh, um, saving a ton of money for the community during tough times um i even had i even went on where i had them raising their own chickens and we utilize everything from the garden the chickens back in the jail to feed themselves. So I was getting a lot of recognition, national attention for those things. Now, was awards. this due to budget cuts? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I figured I figured out how to save money. And what else? I, all the things I even did, um, I only did um, business with local business people. Right. I cut out people from out of state, which, you know, everybody was going for that kind of stuff then. Yeah. You know, I was just trying to be a smart businessman. Government's business is what it right. is. so i figured out how to cut corners rehabilitate people and then as time went on i got i found myself involved with uh, a fatal shooting Uh, myself in the swat team we had an individual that uh, had a gun didn't want to come out of the house threatening his family and so it was my decision to go in and take you know disarm that man and Like I always did, you know, I didn't only want to be the sheriff, but I would never send my deputies in to a place that I wouldn't go in. So I went in with them and uh, I went in with the SWAT team. They were in front of me. A couple other guys fired ahead of me and we killed the guy. And uh, I was ultimately sued for 20 million dollars personally. By the Um, guy's family? Yes. That he was holding up in the house with the gun? yeah and they they had gotten out but of course that those things happen they'll turn on you and things became utter chaos there was protest on our our main street in Fremont Ohio people holding up signs you know net, i mean derogatory signs making me feel like you know what and like shit and that that got to me it really did you know, and I didn't, I didn't want, we didn't want to kill anybody. Absolutely not. And so that, that started to wear on me some too. And then during that time, I was starting to get a lot of pain in my ankles. um Due to, I was, I broke both of my ankles um growing up playing sports and they just, it started to wear on me. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up going to a specialist and they said, look, you got, you got arthritis, Kyle, you might be young, but. You're, you're struggling with arthritis in your ankles, so we're going to give you 105 Vicodin a month. So I'm like, okay. Damn. So, yeah. So it actually then starts dealing, I start dealing with the physical pain. But during that time, I was still struggling with the shooting and everything going on. And it, it's it's really shook me up. I took care of my other guys, the deputies, made sure they got the help they needed. But I didn't take care of Kyle. Mm-hmm. I kept going because I was like, you know what? I'm the sheriff. I'm a husband. I'm a father of two. I'm too strong for this shit. So I got to keep rolling. Well, it isn't long. I get called out on a Sunday afternoon. There comes something else. Um, we're about by, by the mouth that we have a river that runs through and the mouth of the river runs into Lake Erie, three children out on the ice. They drop through. I'm out there with them all. We lose them all. Oh. They all drowned us. So again, You know, I I struggle with that. I didn't want to see those kids die. And, you know, the totality of everything going on, I took care of the other deputies and I didn't take care of Kyle. Well, those 105 Vicodins and as time went on, I struggled mentally, you know, Wade, and uh, I hit it very well. So i would run out with those uh, Vicodin by mm, a week and a half, two weeks, they'd be gone. I'd eat those things up like Tic Tacs, you know damn 105 in two weeks gone out of there out you know they were like tac every morning i and and it got to the point that then i started manipulating the doctors i'd call and say hey my back hurt or this happened that i even manipulated my own jail doctor and uh so i graduated percocets those were my favorite favorite thing Mm -hmm. i love those those percocets and You know, and it was starting to get where I had a hard time doing that. So we had this uh, take back boxes around the county where um, the community would throw away their old, um, you know, pharmaceuticals and there's drugs. Well, I got it in the idea to not only pick them up, but, but put my hand in it like it was a cookie jar.
1: Wow. Did you know, I mean, I'm assuming they were just labeled and they just threw them in there labeled or did you have to? Yeah, I was
0: smart. I could identify them. I knew pills so well because of being on the streets. And then also because I became a, a full blown addict, I knew what I was looking for.
1: And what, what milligrams are these? Were these the tens, like the yellow ones, the bananas, I think they called them? Or You
0: get tens, you get 7.5s. Nice. I take everything and pile them up. I mean, honestly, there were some days I was taking 20 pills a day, you know? Jesus Christ. And you're, you're able to function and not anybody was, be the wiser. I was a functioning addict. You know, I'd start my day. Every day weighed like that. I hit my, my my pills behind my, in always in my laundry room, above my my duty gun, because I knew my kids wouldn't mess with it. And that's how I began my day. It was like Flintstone vitamins. I mean, that's how I began my day. I couldn't do it without. Yeah, That's how I lived every single day. I was dealing with so much shit inside that I'm like, you know what? This is the only way out. But I didn't want to think I was an addict at all, because- I was the sheriff, man. Those addicts were out there on the on the streets or in the trap houses. Not not me. I'm an educated guy that lives in a really nice house, married, got two kids. How could I be an addict?
1: Right. Whatever happened with the lawsuit, just out of
0: curiosity. I went to a federal trial with that and I won. Okay. I won. I won at one time there was sixty-two million dollars I had in lawsuits at one time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You wonder how I'm still standing. I know, but I won the other one. The other one was thrown out of court. That was, you know, a a death in the jail I inherited. But I had 62 million at one time. That was a lot for me to deal with. I had a lot going on, Wade. And you know, I think the totality of everything uh, made the addiction worse and worse. And uh, yeah, I mean, and. It's
1: just also that the physical stuff that you were doing, your, you said your ankles and everything from your injuries from childhood that compounded on, you know, all this other stuff you're dealing with, with the lawsuits, then losing the kids all of that plus your physical stuff, it's real easy to get sucked in to that hole. You do not have to be a bad person or, you know, a person that's living in the streets or whatever for this shit to get its hooks in you and dig deep. It, all it takes is bad circumstances. And obviously if you have those available and like you said, you know, you got 105 for a month and next thing you know, that's only lasting you a half a month.
0: Right. Right. So, yeah, so all that was going on. I had made it through one term um you know, my first term of re, uh as sheriff, there was another one because everything I was doing a pretty good job. I mean, people I mean, people loved me, you know, I was very good with the community, coming up with new ideas, being innovative, I was proactive and uh I went um nobody ran against me my second. Um so that was uh two two terms out and um then February third, twenty fifteen, I'm going to fill my prescription for my 105 Vicodin, And I went always went to the same pharmacy pharmacy in town and everybody knew me because I was the sheriff, you know, and um I knew them very well. And she she called me aside, Leslie, who's who's a wonderful woman. She says, Hey Kyle, I want to talk to you. I'm like, what's going on? I thought somebody was buying Sudafed, cooking meth, and she wanted to tip me off about it. She pulls me aside, she says, Kyle, I'm you're done. I said, what what do you mean, Leslie? What do you mean I'm done? She says, You no longer can get narcotics from multiple doctors. I know what you're doing. So I'm calling every doctor and letting them know. And I was like, holy shit, I'm mm-hmm. done. I, I was scared. My, you know, um, my my stomach was just like my stomach dropped through my ass, and I was like, what the hell am I gonna do with myself? So She called all the doctors. I went home that day and I and I flushed my last Vicodin down the toilet, and I began to detox myself. Wade, how bad was that? Because if you're taking that many, bro, that's a lot. I struggled through it, through and through, but I couldn't let my wife then know or my kids or anybody. I didn't want nobody to know about because I was ashamed, and of course I was a sheriff, so I manipulated my schedule. I, I would go and put my uniform on. My kids would go to school. My wife then was a school teacher. Everybody would go. I turned my my vehicle around and put it in the garage and uh, put the garage down, the door down. Nobody know I was in there laying around trying to, you know, work through all this detox. I was a mess. I was an utter mess. Wow. Now you you said that you
1: started taking perks too. Did you ever get prescriptions for those, or that was just stuff you got from like those drives oh, no, and stuff?
0: Never, you're- I got prescriptions for perks too from multiple doctors. Oh yeah. So that's as, how I got red flag. I thought they red flag. The yeah. Cause a lot of people, I think they, they call that doctor
1: shopping. Don't they?
0: Yeah. That's what it's called. Doctor shop. Yeah.
1: Okay. So when you yeah. do that, when people, and I've known people that, that have done that before, when you do that, your name does go, it goes, I'm not sure the name of it, but there is some sort of system that it goes in. It's the OARS report.
0: Okay. Actually, I know the individuals It's ironic. I'm friends with the people that, actually created the system. I'm good friends with them now. How ironic. <laughs> wow. Now, and did you didn't have any
1: idea that they were catching them? Because I think I heard you even say like some of these times you wouldn't even need an appointment. You could just call and tell them, Hey, you know, back's giving me trouble and they just leave the fucking
0: prescription right there for you to come pick they would. up. They would. I text them, call them, whatever. They'd say, yep, it'll be at the, it'll be right at the, the window for you. Go get it.
1: Wow. And so, so how long did you have to go through this detox process before you were okay? Cause that's a lot, man. That's that's hard to do in cold Turkey,
0: like, and not being able to reach out for help. That's hard. It was. And, you know, you know, I'd nod off during meetings. I was acting differently. I'd research things like I was researching things on the internet. How can I, you know, what can I use to get myself off this? And I, I was pretty lost. Um, you know, physically, I got off those damn things, wait, but mentally, I was still messed up. I yeah. was still a dick. You know, I, I needed treatment, I really did, but I made it through it. I went, and then here comes uh, the next uh, election. And, um, you know, they, they tried to pull all kinds of stopsticks out of me before this whole thing erupted. Um, one of the things was porn stars, um, you know. The, the the big headlines was uh, sheriff of the county follows porn stars and rappers on Twitter and I and I had him following me back and it was like what's the big deal and of course my my wife lost her shit over it you know she's <laughs> like what is wrong with you you know you know you that makes you look like you know you're some dirty old man I don't know you got my vote I mean if I'm seeing my sheriff doing that I'm fucking voting for him damn right. <laughs> And it was, they were like, man, there were so many people come up to me and say, man, I like you, man. You, I watch porn all the time. You're cool. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? They're human human beings too. They're just trying to do their thing. And so I, I took a lot of, you know, shit for it, but you know what? My numbers increased and I ended up winning the primary, I got 62% of the vote. So I did, I did great.
1: Well, sometimes that can backfire on people when they try a smear campaign and it's not necessarily the worst smear. It looks, you say, okay, well he's a regular dude. I respect somebody more for putting that out in the open than somebody that's probably subbing to 15 only fans accounts and keeping it quiet.
0: Right. Right. And it, and it was, and that's what it did. I mean, it actually made me more popular. Yeah. That's and good. It did. It, did it was backfire. a Trump effect. Then, yeah. So then the, here comes the general election and, That's when I uh, got the phone call from the uh, prosecutor saying they were starting to look into me Uh um, about um, doctor shopping and the and the pill take back. And I told, you know, because I was in denial, too. I never wanted to think I was an addict. I did not want nobody to know about my secret, especially my children, you know, and. I told uh, you know the prosecutor. I said they're on some bullshit. I said they just want my job, and they're going to try to crush me, and they can't. They tried the porn star thing, and it didn't work. It didn't work at all. It backfired, like you said. And so now they're going to do this. So I continued to roll through. And uh, August twenty third, two thousand sixteen. I'm I'm at the ribbon cutting of the our county fair with all the judges and all the constituents doing my thing. And by that night at six 30, I got a 43 count indictment and I'm in an orange jumpsuit looking at 15 years in prison. Wow. They came in and they arrested you. Uh, I, my, I had an attorney cause I called an attorney and I knew they were going to have a grand jury, but I didn't think they were going to indict me. I didn't think so. I mean, I was still in denial thinking I'm, you know, I'm the man, you know, I'm Teflon, you know, and, uh, my attorney called me. They said, Hey, they just got to hold me. You got to turn yourself in. So I turned myself in.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was, I was wondering if they facilitated a turn-in. A lot of that must have to be, if you have an attorney, you're able to facilitate a surrender as opposed to them come picking you up.
0: Well, I know the the, the the plan was, they originally wanted to surround me with the marshals and they backed off of me. Cause I I knew all those guys, they were they didn't want, you know, they didn't want no bad blood with me. I got along with all those guys, I had respect for them and did a lot of work with them. So they backed that off. You know, they wanted to make a big thing out of it
1: you know? And so where do they
0: take you? Do they take you to your jail? I got booked into my county jail. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, of <laughs> course, you know, that people were really feeling funny because, you know, they liked me. I was a good sheriff. I treated my, my employees great, you know? And the,
1: the masses, I know some people had to know this was coming down, but the masses probably had no idea
0: until this happened. did no. see you in there. No, they, they didn't. And then from there, they transported me to an adjacent County jail. For the night until the next day, I had my court hearing.
1: And what happens there? Do you get bond?
0: 150000 and I bond out, and, yeah, I keep rolling. I keep rolling, and I, like, hey, I keep rolling because I don't want nobody to know. My ego's as big as the world, and I'm going to keep running for sheriff. So I kept going. Every day, I went hardcore.
1: So you come out. you I'm say, well, your $150,000 bond. That's not terrible.
0: It was, you know, I had to come up with 15 K yeah, and so well, I popped out doing parades, debates, you know, I did amazing in debates and I'm a hell of a speaker. And, uh, I mean, I, I kicked some ass and I, I did, and, and I probably even kicked ass more because I was in such denial and I wanted to win and I didn't want anybody to know that I was an addict. What are your and,
1: charges uh, exactly? What's
0: that? What are your
1: charges exactly? Like what are they charging me uh, like,
0: there? I had, um, the doctor's shopping, theft of pills. They even threw a, um, there was a theft in office from an account that said I shouldn't have spent spending those, the, um, dollars for certain things while I was in there, which that was one of the things I pled to and I, I paid it all back to them. And, uh, which I wasn't really in favor of all of it, but it was part of the deal, you know? Right, yeah.
1: Well, did they know you were taking some of those pills on the little thing where they were, the people were bringing it back? Did They know you were taking them, or how did how they, were they able
0: to prove it? About it, yeah, and they never had any true proof until you'll you'll hear about what I did. You know okay. how I met. and uh, no during that time it was interesting. I was out just full go running for sheriff. You know, bound and determine I was going to win, and nobody'd find out about my secret. And I wanted them to, of course, have egg on their face. Well, as time went on, they wanted me pretty bad. And uh, um, my son's birthday was coming up, um, and he wanted a crossbow. And I went out and bought him a crossbow. And one of the things was, uh, that's a dangerous weapon. So I get a phone call from my attorney saying, hey, did you buy a crossbow? I said, yeah, I bought a crossbow. He's like, what the hell are you doing that for? I says, because my son wanted one for his birthday. I don't even have the thing. I go, it's over at um, his grandfather's. He says, well, you're going to be getting paperwork. They're going to have a hearing. They want to revoke your bond. So I'll never forget, November 3rd, my son's birthday's coming, November 7th. I go to take him and drop him off of school. He's like, look, Dad, am I going to see you after school? I said, Dylan, I got this. Don't worry. Like, I thought I had everything else. And uh, I drop him off, and they revoke my bond, 250000 no 10%, no way of getting out. Wow.
1: Yeah. I'm assuming that's part of the paperwork when you got released, can't do this, that or the other, can't be in possession of weapons or something. But
0: if you're the sheriff, how the hell they not? I mean, how can you not be around weapons? <laughs> nope. They took away, I had to turn in all my uniforms, my, my duty weapon, everything. And you know, okay, I'm, all right. I was certified in ARs, everything I was, I didn't, you know, one of the things I did before, even during that time before um, I was on the SWAT team, I graduated from the FBI uh, SWAT Academy. So and I, I'm very well trained when it comes to firearms. Right. So you're still the sheriff, like you you've not been
1: displaced I, out of office.
0: I'm still the sheriff, and I'm sitting in jail.
1: <laughs> you're still the sheriff sitting in jail. Get out! You can't even have guns or weapons, and then you buy the crossbow for your son, and they put you
0: right back in there. Jesus, and Great that's I'm, that's I'm locked down. I'm done. So that's when I decide I need to start talking about it. They send me to another county jail where. I bumped into somebody right away. I knew, you know, I mean, I just, I knew a lot of people, wait, I'm one of these guys that get around all the time. i always networking and getting connected. And right. I knew somebody didn't give me no trouble. Everybody, you know, they thought it was kind of cool. You know, honestly, they're like, Oh, look, the sheriff's in here. I know you, you arrested my buddy, you know? Yeah. And I ended up kicking it with them, uh, making ramen noodles, you know?
1: Yeah. And see that speaks to. Your character, I think the pe- the person you are, because had you been an asshole on those streets, you'd have had no. a very different road to travel once you got in those prisons. But because, I mean, yeah, you're the law, they're the criminal, but there's still an element of respect there. They're still a human being and you treated them as such. So in which case, whenever you got behind those walls, it wasn't
0: a hard road for you. No, no, I was always pretty fair on the streets, you know, and I, and I grew up with a lot of those guys. So I always, you know, and my dad always said, look, always remember one thing, treat others the way you want to be treated and you're going to be all right. And I've always, I've always lived by that advice.
1: And and it served well in in these situations.
0: So you're in there, you can't get out at all. No, I'm done. So I started talking about my addiction. I went to my first AA meeting while I was in there. Start talking to my parents about things and saying, Look, I've been hooked. I'm still struggling. Here's what's going on. My parents were very supportive, especially my mother. My mother was my ride or die. Um, things were bumpy with my my wife then. And we'll get into that even more. So, and um, my kids I really don't tell. They're too young to understand. And so I started writing letters and apologizing and and I ended up doing a plea deal. I plead 12 counts. And uh uh, I go back December 13th. They send me back uh, for my hearing, hopefully, that I was hopefully going to get treatment uh, December 13th, 2016. I go back, and the the judge is like, what do you got to say for yourself? I admit it. I was an addict. I needed treatment help. And she says, I'm going to give you the best treatment in the state of Ohio. You're going to prison for four years. Ooh. Wow. And I thought, oh, my
1: God did any part of you think of like taking it to trial and fighting? Because at the end I, they got you on the doctor shopping, I guess you can't really get around that. But as far as taking the pills and other shit, that's a lot of circumstantial evidence that I mean,
0: it was, and you're exactly right. Wayne, you know, all about that stuff. So yeah. you, from your history and your past,
1: Yeah.
0: you know, I, I think it's like rolling the dice in Vegas. It is. It is. And I would have really had to warm up those dice to roll them. You know what I mean?
1: So like if you, if you didn't take the plea and you didn't know what they were going to give you, right? Did you know it was going to be four years or you just oh. agreed to a plea for a lesser sentence?
0: A lesser sentence. I didn't think I was going to do that time.
1: Because what was the, what was the sentence that you could have gotten? Had you taken to trial and lost? 15. 15. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 15. So that's 11 more. I couldn't do that stuff,
1: you know? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the, uh, that's the carrot that they they dangle in front uh-huh. of all these people because when people say, Oh, I got a, you know, a 98% conviction rate and all that. No, you don't. That's not what that is. That is people taking plea deals for exactly what you just explained. You're facing all these charges for 11 years, 15 years. But if you plea, We'll do four or five, maybe good behavior. You get out a little bit before then who's not going to take that.
0: Right. And I, so I didn't gamble. I went and I took it like a man, you know? Yeah. Wow. I took it straight like a man. And then from that point, uh, I get and, uh, make my first phone call to my wife and my kids. And after I get sentenced and she says, Oh, by the way, I didn't know you had a girlfriend. I says, what are you talking about? Well, they had turned around, taking my jail phone calls. Cause I had a side piece, a girlfriend and they play it out in the media. That's how everybody finds out. Oh, they're playing in the fucking media. They do. They took those jail phone recordings and me talking to my girlfriend then and put it all the way out there. So it's not enough.
1: It's not enough. You're in jail for four years. They got to do, they got to do one worse and drag your family through the mud and everything else.
0: Well, they, they didn't want to only bury me, but they wanted to run over me and bury me, you know, and they did, they really did, but I didn't let it break me. Now, was this someone you had before you got arrested or someone that you oh, met yeah. inside? Okay. This had been going on. Yeah. This had been going on and yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so it was nothing new. It had been going on and. You know, it was one of those things. I made a mistake in my life. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I should have, you know, I should have been a a real man and you know addressed it with my wife then, but I didn't. You know, I was an addict. I was a manipulator, a liar, uh, pretty much a con man because that disease was running me. You know, yeah. it really was. Well, and it's
1: too like you hate to compound all re- an already very bad situation. You know, hey, I might be going to jail. By the way, you know, I've been seeing somebody on the slide. That's you know. How much can right. one person take at a certain time? You know what I'm saying?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so that, that was, uh, another one that they wanted to throw at me and see what they could do with me. Wow. And then from there, my first 30 days were uh, in solitary confinement. I was in the hole at first.
1: And was that just because of the drugs or just for,
0: what was that? Because, um, me being the sheriff and being a high profile, they put me in there to find me a place for protective custody. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, you know, in solitary confinement, you've ever been in it or not. Oh. Um, You know, it's dark. You, there's no clock. The only time you know when it's going you get a time to eat, is when you hear the wheels coming on the concrete floor. You know, you turn it like into an animal. And it did me a lot of good, though. It got me prepared for what, what my life is today. And it got my shit straight. It was like, look, I'm either going to make it or th- it's going to break me. And I, yeah. I, I figured out what I was going to do with myself. Wow.
1: Now, how long was, did you stay or like a period of time in a County and then get transferred to a prison?
0: No, well, like a day, then they shipped me to intake, which is in Grafton. And then that's where I was in the hole. Then I went to uh protective custody for a few months and then I signed out. I went to general population.
1: Wow. And is this a, a prison like local
0: to your area? Hey, it was, uh, in Lyme, Ohio. Okay. So yeah, I went and I I wanted to be in general pop because, um, there was more things to do. You could move, you could be out of the yard for a long time and you could just, uh, you could actually live instead of exist. Right.
1: Now, were you worried at all about the fact that you coming in there as a cop? And the consensus is they don't really care for, police officers in there, especially ones that they might not know the whole story, but they always de- oh, in here for drugs. He's dirty. He was dirty. I'm dirty. He's dirty, you know, but yet he put, you know, one of his buddies might've put me in here. Were you worried
0: going in there with that kind of outlook? No, no, I just, I'm the kind of guy and it's, I'm kind of one of those guys. Like, you know, I went through everything else. Just, um, uh, fear's not one of my biggest obstacles, Wade. And, mm-hmm. You Know I went in, I did, I had a run in with one guy and I handled it. And uh then I got real respect. But I'm not gonna lie, the first day I jumped off that bus, they knew I was coming. They knew I was coming and they knew who I was, they knew my whole story. And of course they offered me drugs right away. Yeah. There are more drugs in the joint than on the streets, and I'm like, I'm good. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get through this sentence or this whole um this uh, prison sentence without drugs and i'm gonna get my shit straight i'm gonna i'm gonna do it the right way yeah so uh, i stood my ground i got a lot of respect um you know i mean i i broke bread with uh probably you know some of the worst guys that had you know several bodies and i had a lot of guys that were doing you know life sentences in there, uh gang members uh I had a gang member who I worked out with. He had done federal time, and he was a Muslim. So I wanted to know about his religion. I was doing uh, – I read the Quran and uh, did Ramadan and fasted for 30 days. Wow. Um, I had a, um, a roommate who was a, a gang member in there on my first Father's Day. He gave me uh, tattoos of my kids' names on my arms to in, in remembrance of Father's Day for my kids. I mean, I became, I became an inmate, right. you know. And uh I mean I was six nine two one eight three and that's who I became. The Kyle Overmeyer thing was gone for four years. Yeah. Well you gotta adapt when you go
1: into situations like that. You you have to. You have to adapt to your environment wherever that may be.
0: I started to carry myself, speak, think, trust issues, you know, prepare yourself for war because you could tell how people moved on that yard if something was gonna go down. Mm-hmm. You know, so I became one of them. And uh, that's probably why. I survived so well in there.
1: Yeah. And I think you you have to. And
0: and I think also,
1: probably you being, even though you were in law enforcement, being undercover and having to rub shoulders and elbows with a lot of these guys, you've got more of an inside track on how these guys think, how they move, how a little bit more of their thought process. So it's, you can almost kind of look at it in the sense that maybe it just helped the tango, but this is like a long undercover
0: stint I'm doing here. (laughs) It, It was. And it's interesting. You know, I'm an educated guy you know, college aspect, but I'm more street smart than anything. Right. And that's, that's in
1: in situations like that, that's where the street smart is going to really kick in and help you.
0: Yeah. And I could relate to those guys, the, you know, how people spoke everything from music and, you know, it was interesting. I was kind of at home in there. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Wow. Um, didn't you say there was a situation to where
1: like you were taking something and, but it wasn't like anything illegal.
0: Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um it was interesting and I, I you know so to speak the one of the one of the corrections officers had it out for me and uh you're not allowed to have your vitamins mixed into one bottle but you only have so much space so I did and uh we had a cell shake down and uh I got rolled up I got a contraband ticket. So I call I go to call home and you know it was I it was a bunch of shit because it was just vitamins and they're trying to act like I'm back into the pill game again. I call home and my kids are all upset saying, dad, so you're using it again. I said, what are you talking about? Well, headlines are sheriff gets caught with pills and cell. Wow. So they were t- sending stuff out, diamond me out about stuff that wasn't even true and put it all over the newspaper. And then my kids are thinking I'm, you know, I'm hooked again. How far is this into your stint that they're doing this? man, I don't, it it was probably less than a year and they're on me, you know? And it seemed like every time you turned around, there was some kind of article about me. I I know one newspaper that was a logo. um, They said there was over 500 articles total about me in that thing. I mean, it was crazy. They stayed on me. They stayed on me nonstop, Wade.
1: Wow. And I mean, and there's not a thing you can do about it from inside. You you can't find
0: it. prove them wrong. And I, I had to show my kids and my kids eventually after talking to them and actually talking with their mother at that time, you know, or my ex wife. And, um, we, uh, we got it all worked out. You know, so you guys did divorce.
1: Children. Pardon? You guys did divorce.
0: We did. I got divorce papers while I was locked up too. I did get those, you know, and rightfully so yeah. she ended up, she's a great mother. Um, she took care of those kids. I didn't see them for four years cause they didn't want to see me in that capacity. And I understand, yeah. but I did no longer had the girlfriend. I moved on. Um, and, uh, I just did my thing. In prison. Did, did you ever have
1: any thought process of going back and, and getting back on or, or mixed in with the pills or anything like that? Or were you able to just focus on, you know what? I'm going to fucking come out the other side of this.
0: I did. I, I, I never did. I never had any ideas or thoughts saying you know what i want to get high again and you know what you know if you feel going in there and they, they make you feel like a piece of shit that's what you're supposed to be mm-hmm. I, I i'm a reverse guy the more they hate it on me the more it turned me up yeah. and uh i take that negativity and i don't know what it is wade but i just i don't know i instill it in a whole different way you know most people crumble, but I don't. Right.
1: And, and I, that's that's not something that everybody possesses to be able to take a horrible situation and for whatever way you can spin it into a positive. That's not an easy thing to do.
0: No, no, no. And I spent a lot of my time. I worked out a lot. Um, I actually, I ran into one of my better friends. I was in competitive bodybuilding in the 90s and went to college. Um, he was in there doing 10 years for manufacturing steroids. So we ended up linking back up, too. And we today we are. He's doing great. He's got a great job. He's out. And uh we we bonded quite a bit in there and kind of leaned on each other because we both wanted to get out and do good things. He was a father as well. And you know, we always had a lot of long talks, like, you know what? I know what people probably think of us and want us to be, but we can't give them what they want. We gotta, we got we we gotta do our own thing. And and we 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 did, you know, and so it was nice to actually connect with an old friend in there too. Yeah, that's, I mean, and
1: those are the kind of situations that you have to look for the silver lining in whatever your situation is. And those are some things that can help, you know, pass the time when you're in there, you know, connecting with an old friend, albeit shitty circumstances, but still it's a familiar face and you can use them to, like you said, kind of bounce your, your goals off because that's a, that's a key thing too. I wasn't in, you know, inside very long and I was in the County, but there were a lot of guys in there that were trying to help out the other ones as in, Hey man, you need to get out and do a landscaping business or something, you know, not every job is going to run a background check. So there's things that you can do. You can start your own business with a lawnmower, you know, and they were trying to build each other up. So it happens. And I know some people think they're just in there and it's all, you know, you know, kill or be killed, but there's a lot of people in there that are really plotting their future
0: to get out and, and do better than what they are. I, I, I built up, built some great relationships on there and I'm not going to lie. Even, uh, you know, unfortunately there were some guys that I helped in there to overcome their addictions. Unfortunately, they got out and they overdosed and passed away in the last few years since I've been out this couple of years, I've been out and, and it's sad because I saw a lot of potential in those guys, Wow, but they couldn't, they couldn't fight the demons, you know,
1: mm-hmm. that's, that's
0: not easy. So how
1: long did you wind up doing total in prison? Four. Oh, so you I did, did all you did my, every bit of it? I
0: did, yeah, I got out in uh, April twenty twenty. Then I was on parole, and but when I got out, I was seeing another girl. Things we we fell out. It was a girl that connected with me in prison, and then I was homeless. I was struggling, and I found a place, a woman that I had um, known, and I was on. I was actually on one of the the college boards. I was a board of trustee on a college board. And I reached out to that woman because her and her girlfriend would send me Christmas cards and stuff and support me. And I just reached out to her and I said, I'm trying to get a spot. Do you have anything I can even flop in one of your apartments? She goes, they're they're all rented, but I got a spare bedroom with an air mattress. So I was on parole. I had to find somewhere to flop. So I flopped there. I had nowhere to go and I needed a job. So I'm back in my own county. I got to live in my own county where I'm from. Got a big hunking uh ankle monitor on, to, you know, so they can keep track of me. And so I go, I got a friend who uh owns these Lee's famous recipe chickens in the area. And I went to Larry. Larry's a good man, he was a good friend, and everybody, all the deputies would go to Lee's and you know, it's kind of who's who would go in there, sit around, eat chicken and you know, you know, converse with everybody. And so he's like, I can hire you to fry chicken in the back. 950 an hour. So I'm like, I'm on it. So I go in, and and that was my job. I was frying chicken, homeless. And uh, it was interesting because a lot of those people in the community came in. They started taking pictures of me, putting memes on Facebook, and uh, Mm. trying to continue to tear me down. But which they didn't know. And we just talked about it a few minutes ago. It turned me up. It turned me up something fierce. And uh, I did a lot of meetings. I was bring I was building that bridge with my kids even stronger, and working on that. And then eventually, I had a, a friend who I ended up making friends with, and um, one of those uh, self help group that uh, was running a facility in Sandusky, and he he gave me a job on a midnight shift overseeing the clients in the treatment center. So I went from like nine fifteen hour to eleven fifteen hour. I thought that was great. Yeah. And, uh, I was making strides, you know, so eventually I started, uh, and that was, you know, I got out April six, 2020. So here it is a few months, really tough. And I put some, um, money together and believe it or not, I ended up getting an apartment back in the hood where I to kick doors. In. <laughs> That's where all the dope boys were. And, uh, that's all I could afford. And, you know, some of the furniture, I mean, clothes help. I can remember for my, um, I didn't have any shoes for a job interview. I was dumpster diving, getting shoes out. I still got those shoes. So I remember where the hell I was before and where I am today. Right. I mean, I, you know, there was no pride to hide because I was going to survive any way I could. And, uh, I kept, I kept, uh, I kept grinding Wade and eventually then November 22nd, 2020, I meet Jennifer who six weeks later, I end up marrying as my wife. Wow. And uh, how'd you guys meet? Yeah, uh, through a uh, mutual co- acquaintance off Facebook and she's down by Columbus and I'm up there. We get married six weeks later and she's like, how are we going to do this? You're up there living. I'm down here. Well, Six days later, we're out eating pizza. I get a phone call because I started to talk about all this stuff on Facebook, share my story. A guy who's from Florida who owns a treatment facility in um, Columbus calls me and says, hey, you want a job in business development? I'm like, you serious? Where? Columbus. So it works out. I move down. And then eventually, um, you know, I really start talking about my story And talking about addiction, recovery, redemption. And we put together what I have now. It's called KO Addiction. It's an LLC where I travel around and speak. And then one thing after another, um, I got another good job. And then now, eventually, here I am. I'm I'm a regional director for Hickory Behavioral Hospital. Just opened a hospital on Monday. And uh, got KO Addiction. Doing great podcasts like yourself. And another shout-out to our, our man, Matt Cox, you know, absolutely, and, uh, I get to continue to do these things and here it is a little over three years later and here I am now, Wade, I mean, three years, a lot of things have happened in three years. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people are, you know, I mean, shocked, but so am I, but you know what? I, I believe if you believe in yourself, you can do about anything.
1: Yeah, and and your story is so unique because you come into law enforcement, you fast track roller coaster to the peak very quickly, you fall off immediately. You're down as about as low as anyone can go. You got to go to jail for four years. You get divorced. You know you're you're not your relationship with your kids isn't probably what you want it to be. Understandably, they don't want to see you in that capacity. You get out. You're frying chicken in the restaurant where people are coming in taking pictures of you. And like you said, dumpster diving for shoes for job interviews. And now you're a regional director and you just opened up a hospital. That is the epitome of falling to the bottom and building yourself back up. And that's a lot of what we love to platform on this show. You know, I've had guys on here that made living, you know, running drugs and smuggling in drugs. That was all they did all their life. And then, you know, mm-hmm. they go to jail and they come out and they, they try to teach these kids that I, obviously now it's, it's even harder now. Back in those days, it was a little easier. Now it's almost impossible, but they try to teach them that it's not the right way. Even some of these guys that were in the mob, you know, they preach that, you know, Hey, this is what we did back then, but it's not the way to go. It wound. And I wound up being in jail. I missed most of my kids lives because i was incarcerated every story has this message and yours is man i I don't know if i've ever heard a story quite like this with the ups and downs and the build-up you know building yourself back up like this it's, it's truly amazing
0: well thanks way but and it ain't over yet i'll be having a book out by the end of the year too
1: that's what i, I, I was a, gonna say this is a book up and down
0: yeah i got a book coming out um you know, and uh, you know, I still do therapy. I go to therapy twice a month to keep Kyle Overmeyer in check. I got to keep him in check. Right. You know, if not, uh, I don't want to release the beast again. You know, right. and uh, but it'll be in February. I'll be clean nine years, and uh, you know, I'm grateful. Um, Jennifer married me when I was dead broke. You know, I had zero dollars to my name. I had six garbage bags of clothes that were, you know, hand-me-downs from here and there and out of the dumpster. And I'm blessed to have her, uh, her stepkids, and, and my kids are in my life. And I'm I'm a grandfather now. And everybody gets along. I, I get along with my ex-wife today, believe it or not. Wow. You know, and, and, and a lot of people say it's because I don't only really talk it, but I walk it. Right. You know, and I, and it's, you know, I, I'm not on no, no bullshit.
1: And, and that can come across. You don't have to listen, or at least to me, it does. You don't have to listen to you talk very long to realize that you are one of those guys. There's just, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of fluff there to it. It is what it is. And you know,
0: there is, there is no fluff. I mean, you know, unfortunately, I mean, you know, we talked about, we've talked about, uh, um, Jordan Belfort. I'm the Jordan Belfort of, uh, actually law enforcement, you know, I yeah. mean, I hate that. I mean, I I was a wild man, you know, uh, you know, the drugs, the infidelity, you know, there's just so many of those moments that you wouldn't be proud of, but you got to talk about because there's other people that have gone through it, but they just don't have the kahunas to talk about it. And you know what? Me talking about it, I think helps people. No,
1: absolutely. And I think it probably helps you too. There is something, you know, cathartic about being able to tell your story. And not only is getting your story out there, so I think it helps you internally, but you, like you said, you might be helping someone else that's going through, you know, maybe not the exact same thing, but something similar, similar circumstances. And to hear them or to have them hear your story of how you build it back up, that's going to give somebody hope. If that guy can do it, you know, he was a disgraced sheriff. I'm, just, I was just a regular dude. I should be able to build myself back up
0: right and I agree with you and I always tell people when I go into these uh, treatment facilities and speak and go to these uh, big events if I can do it you can do it anybody can do it
1: And see so how is the media painting you now because I don't are they still having a grudge against you or no.
0: they, they flipped no. the script It's such a turnaround I work with um, I work with the judicial system now because I've been on both sides. Um, a law enforcement. I work with the Columbus police, Franklin County Sheriff's office. Um, I have a lot of law enforcement, uh, conferences now reaching out to me to speak. Um, of course, a lot of mental health addiction and a lot of people have embraced me. And there's also been guys that dogged me out that wanted to jump back on the ship with me, but guess what? There ain't no room on the ship.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's, That's the key right there is like you said, you know, when you were putting these guys away, you done it the right way. You were, you know, you were a man about it. So they were accepting of you when you wound up being on the other side of the fence, people will dog you out, man. It's like when those air, when those, uh, tabloids and stuff start printing stuff people that don't even know the story are going to pile into it. They're going to buy into whatever bullshit is printed because you can't really go the paper nowadays. It just brainwashes people or not even the paper, but just headlines on the, you know, the cell phones, you know, they paint whatever headline they want. And that's what sticks in people's minds. They don't even give a shit about the truth anymore. They just remember the headline.
0: No, And it's interesting. I can forget. Remember like my first probably week out, I'm at the gas station in Fremont where I'm from. And there was a guy that's done several numbers in prison is uh he's a dope boy he looked at me i come out i'm he's like what's up Overmeyer?" and i said what's up he said i got nothing for love for you he goes how does it feel to be one of us now and he gave me a hug and said you're one of us wow. and i'm like i guess that's what they call street cred you know
1: yeah well and th- there's something to be said about you know coming out on top after doing that, after going there, like you said, you didn't fight this shit. You took it, you owned it, you bit the time, you ate every day of it and, you know, come out and then you make the best of it. So there's something to be said about that, you know, uh, because a lot of times when people get in trouble that are in, you know, higher up positions, sometimes they can skate on stuff like that. And then it's the opposite effect. Everybody knows that you probably done something dirty, but you got out of it because your position and they hate you. You did right. the exact opposite. You had this high up position. You were sheriff, and you ate the time. You admitted it. You done it. You talked about it. You went to jail. You got out. Now you're doing everything the right way. That is going to resonate with people as it seemingly is right now.
0: Yep, yeah, and you know, like I always say, you know, I'm a felon and I'm proud of it, and I beat I beat the odds. You know, absolutely. So when when are you thinking this book might be out by the end of the year? Maybe. Yeah, by the end of the year, I got a co author out of California um and uh it's gonna it's gonna be for everybody and a lot of it's about redemption and to understand that you know like we just talked about you can overcome about anything as long as you put your mind to it you know if you don't believe in yourself nobody else gonna believe in you wade and you know and i know it absolutely you gotta be a believer yourself you gotta be your biggest fan that's the way i look at it yeah
1: and especially if you wind up in, in prison like that, you know, a lot of times, even though you might have support on the outside, that's only going to go so far inside of those walls. You have to depend on yourself to to mentally keep you strong and sharp and, and keep you focused on your goal. Um, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe for speaking engagements or something like that, are you on social media? What, what all platforms are you on, my friend?
0: Yes, I'm on everything Facebook on Kyle Overmeyer. Uh, I got a motivational speaking, but Facebook, my email is kovermeyer6 at gmail.com. And I give my real number out too. And I always answer it, 419 455 0793. As you know, Wade, we text back and forth. Absolutely. So um, I'm a personable guy. And uh, I I think it's important to stay humble too, because you never know when what tomorrow is going to bring. And, um, and I always say, I don't keep it 100. I keep it 110. So you always got to go that that extra mile with it. Yeah. So anybody needs anything, wants me to speak, talk, any kind of business. I'm always willing to listen. My ears are open.
1: There you go. What a story, man. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing it with us. We wish you nothing but the best going forward. My brother, I hope blessings keep raining down upon you for sure.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you, Hollywood Wade. You know it. Thank you, my friend. Well, ladies and gentlemen,
1: I am Hollywood Wade. That was Kyle Overmeyer, and unfortunately, we are out of time. One last question before we get out of here. Well, two, two, two questions. What was the porn star that you followed that they nailed you for? Uh,
0: Jenna Jameson. She even sent me a, a, a. She even sent me a message too. So did she? She sent you a message? I gotta, yeah, I mean, you know, her 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 father was in law enforcement, but yeah. Jenna Jameson. Uh, that's her book there it right is. there.
1: How to make love like a porn star. That's her book. She's,
0: she's one of the most, she's, she's iconic. Yeah. Jameson's iconic.
1: Yeah. Who wasn't following Jenna Jameson at that point? Jesus Christ. That like you just picked out some random one or something. Everybody was following Jenna Jameson. She was the top of the porn world by
0: then. She, she was.
1: Now, when you went in and I forgot to ask this earlier, so I hate to circle back, but when you went in, I'm assuming since you were in, you were going for four years. Like, did that kick you out of the race?
0: Um, oh by the way I was I was still it, when I was in jail I was still running for against two <laughs> two people and i I got beat of course but I got a a ton of votes I still get people message me saying when you were sitting in jail out um waiting on your sentencing I voted for you <laughs> I swear if
1: you could run again I'd vote for you man if you're in my county I because well they don't I make appreciate- people
0: like that that can overcome it- this it's interesting because I got people that have been coming to me asking me if I want to get back in the political realm.
1: There you go. I mean, you, you've got the, that it factor, that swagger, that bravado, and not only that you have experience and the experience is what really going to kick. It doesn't matter if you're mentoring kids or speaking to adults or whatever. If you've been through the shit, if you've got it out of the mud, People are going to know that and they're going to respect that a whole lot more than somebody that's had a silver spoon in their mouth and Brooks Brothers, you know, loafers on their feet their whole damn life and ain't had to struggle for shit. They're not going to respect nobody like that because they don't know. They don't get it. They don't understand it. They're going to respect somebody like you that got it out of the mud.
0: Well, and I, I'm actually I'm actually dancing around with the idea, because if you think about it, wait, I got no more. Bones in my closet, if you know what I mean. Exactly. There's nothing they can, there's nothing
1: they can pry out on you. You're open.
0: Come book. at me. Come at me. I don't care. You know. Well,
1: let us know if you decide to do that, man. We'll, we'll try. We'll do whatever we can to help your campaign for sure.
0: Appreciate it, Hollywood. Way. Let's stay in touch. I appreciate it. And uh, you got a great show here. Thank you.
1: Thank you, my brother. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Hollywood Wade. That was Kyle Overmeyer, and unfortunately, we are out of time. Tune in next week for an all new episode of Crime and Entertainment. Kyle, we appreciate it, my friend. Thank you, sir. Well, God, tell mighty what a story right there by Kyle Overmeyer, And I'm telling you guys, go follow him on Facebook, go follow him on social media. You've got to see the stuff that this guy's doing. He's owned every mistake he made. And that's why I think he's such a polarizing individual. He doesn't try to sugarcoat it. He admits, Hey, look, I got caught up. I got addicted. I made mistakes. I went to prison. He didn't try to weasel his way out. Like, you know, a lot of times when when situations happen with these with cops, these cops don't go to jail. Kyle didn't try to fight it. He went. He did his time. They even tried to, you know, smear his name while he was in jail, as you heard him display there. He's gotten out and he's done everything by the book the right way. And he tries to let people know that, look, you don't have to be a bad person to get sucked in to the life of addiction, and that's pills or anything, really. I mean, this kind of stuff happens to good people, too. I think a lot of times society wants to put it as, you know, oh, if they're doing that, they must be a bad person. That's not the case, very much not the case. It can happen to anybody. A lot of times people get addicted because they're legitimately prescribed these pills by doctors, and it just gets a hold of them, and they can't do anything about it. And, you know, it's hard for them to... You know, get off. So, this is a a prime example of it. You know, regardless of what your status is, what your job is, if it gets a hold of you and it gets his hooks into you, man, it can do some damage. But Kyle has gotten out. Like I said, he's done everything the right way. He's got KO addiction. He goes around, he travels, he speaks, he's got a great message. I really hope I can get the chance to meet him uh, at some point here soon. But what a story, man. I mean, go check him out on social media. We'll have links to his uh, pages and uh, his programs in the show notes of our YouTube uh, section. Make sure you like and subscribe over there as well. Hit that notification bell to get notified every time we drop a video here on crime entertainment comment as well. Let us know what you think about the video. Also, if you know someone that has a story like this, hit me up on YouTube. I'll reach out to you, or you can email me crime, the letter N and entertainment at gmail.com. .com, or you can hit me up on Instagram, Crime, the letter N, and entertainment as well over there on Instagram. Uh, we're on all the audio platforms too, folks, for those of you that uh, don't have time to watch the video side of things. We put a lot of work into those videos, so definitely something to take a look at. But if you're just a strictly an audio man, we are everywhere you get your podcasts, folks, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, iHeartRadio, the whole nine yards. We're everywhere you can get your podcast we did hear stitcher shutting down operations coming up in august we're sad to hear that it's a great platform it's where i first started listening to podcasts that's unfortunate but until they shut the doors you can't find crime and entertainment over there please like rate review that really helps drive us up the charts we certainly appreciate it we hope you are enjoying all the episodes here we've got a lot of great content coming up for you guys a lot of good stuff coming along so just keep tuned in keep listening we certainly appreciate it i am hollywood wade that was kyle overmeyer and that is it for today's episode of crime and entertainment